Hi, I'm Rebecca Pete, And I'm Rebecca Cochran. And, and welcome, welcome to Woven, where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention. And our prayer is that, to paraphrase Mary Zimmer, the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance. Thanks, Thanks for listening. Hey, friends. Welcome to Woven. This is episode 128. We're calling it Starting Again, because um, you are approaching the end of Lent. We have passed the one-year anniversary of COVID quarantine. And, our, you know, last month's episode, we were talking a lot about stripping down, um, kind of like, you know, we talked to Carla about uncluttering our souls and how we talked about how COVID has done that to all of us, right? And now as things are getting more normal and vaccines are readily available and we're just sort of like tiptoeing towards normal, um, we thought it would be good to talk about how we're going to rebuild and just sort of the things we're going to add back in. So it's been great timing with Lent um, as we're thinking about feasting and adding things back into our lives. But we've also learned, I think a lot of us this year, how it's been good in some ways. You know, I wouldn't say that like the pandemic's been good, but there's been good that's come out of it in the sense of, um, it's kind of like, you know, stripped us all down. And we've seen, I've had so many conversations with people about how grateful they are that like, they're not as busy and they just, you know, they have more time and they've gotten to be with their families more. And so we have to be really intentional about what we add back in, I think, so that Mm -hmm. this year hasn't just been, you know, I don't want to like learn a lesson and then, ignore it. So we're going to talk a little bit about those things today. Yeah. I, um, I posted on Instagram today. Um, so you can go look at my Instagram if you like, because I'm not going to re-preach what I preached on Instagram, but like I, the, I'm, I'm doing the daily Bible. So I have my lead study, but, um, Erin Moon's lead study, she only puts out like a reading like twice a week or something. So I'm still keeping it, trying to keep up. It's hard because it's a big chunk because we're trying to, I'm, the daily Bible tries to get you through the whole Bible in a year. So you have to read a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, so I don't, I mean, I'm not a hundred percent caught up, but um, we're in Joshua right now. And, um, and I, one of my favorite stories in the Bible is the story of um, when the Israelites, um, they see the promised land and Joshua is about to take them through and God parts the Jordan river, like he parted the Red Sea and they walk through to the other side. And as they're walking through each tribe grabs a stone. And when they get the other side, Joshua instructs them to build a monument and so that they can remember, um, they can remember what God has done by staring at the 12 stones. Uh-huh. And, and I, it just really has struck me this week as we're coming on this anniversary and, you know, the president last night, um, you know, was reflecting in a um, kind of message to the whole country. And my kids' school today is not really celebrating. They're just like, it's kind of a celebration of the flexibility of how the staff's been and the people have, the, the kids have been and all that kind of stuff. Just kind of as a marking, like marking is a better word. I don't think celebrating is a word. Yeah. But like marking the year of what, what the, the change that has happened for all of us. And so I've been reflecting on it a lot and I, I want to make sure that I'm marking what I've learned with stones in some way, like they did, yeah, like Israelites yeah. did, you know, like we were stripped away, kind of like what we talked about in our last episodes of lots of things. And there's been necessary grieving and there will continue to be necessary grieving for those things that have been stripped away. And, and, but there are also lessons, like you were saying that have been learned and like, we as humans so easily forget the lessons we've learned, you know, yeah. like 
like that that's what joshua knew that god knew that joshua knew that like we are fickle people and we need to see things to remind us because we don't we at least me i tend to like run away from the past and not think about it but if i have like visible representations it helps me to remember what i've learned um so uh, yeah i think i think it's good to reflect on those things over the past year and and think about um taking the good things that have come out of it and not forgetting what what we've learned for sure so what do you think is something um that you learned in the last year and if you'd like to think for a minute i can tell you what i've learned or you can go ahead um i've i think i've learned lots of things i've learned that i'm not as flexible as i thought i was i um thought if you would have asked me pre-pandemic i would have said i'm a very flexible person and that i care about listening to the voice of god and i allow him to direct my steps and i i'm i'm up for change i'm good at change you know i thought i was all of those things and i learned that i very much was not um, I mean, yeah, well, you're good knows. at those things when you decide to do them probably. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and I, I knew that my personality was such that I'm like a goal oriented person, but I just like write my goals down and like check them off. Like I'm not that kind of person. Um, and so, so I, I like to, I like to tell myself that I had goals, but they were all held loosely. And I, I realized that I did not hold that. Like I subconsciously held them very tightly, even though I never yeah. wrote them down and spoke them into being. Um, and so I had things in my head that I was 100% sure about. And if you would have asked me if I was 100% sure about it, I would have said yes. But I, I would have said no, but I was 100% sure in my head. Does that make sense? And so yeah. I've, I've learned to recognize that I'm really not as flexible as I thought I was and that I hold things a, a lot more tightly than I thought I was. And I think we've all learned the lesson. I don't think there's one person on this earth that hasn't learned the le- like a lesson about how to be more flexible or a lesson in how we're not actually in control. We just had like this illusion. You know, what does Barbara Brown Taylor yeah. say? She says, you know, we were never really in control. It was just an illusion of being in control. That's not her direct yeah. quote. But, um, and and, and I think, I think we all know that, like we all have realized that in the past year, that's not, that's not just a lesson I've learned, but my like more specific lesson for me is really that I am not as flexible as I thought I was. And I had plans that I held onto tightly that I didn't realize I was holding onto tightly. On the so. Yeah. Hi, Rebecca's children. Speaking of being flexible. Can you hear them? I, I can kind of hear voice of little voices in the background. <laughs> Sorry, I've told them like a million times to relieve me because I'm recording and they're still playing. Um, so speaking <laughs> of my children, what I've learned is the importance of rest. Um, and I thought I knew that, you know, like I was like, yeah, like I, I know I'm an introvert. I know like whatever, whatever. But um, when I was forced to rest for a year, I feel like I had this whole new appreciation for it because it was sort of like before my rest would be like putting a bandaid on an axe wound. Like I would get like an hour and be like, Oh, I'm supposed to be all like better now or whatever. And now I've actually had a year of like rest from a lot of things, like from social stuff, from just like the hustle and bustle of our everyday lives and like 
you know, a lot of things have fallen away and I feel in some ways I feel more exhausted because this has been just like an exhausting year emotionally, but I also feel like in a decent place, I guess, with allowing myself to rest because I've always felt a lot of shame around it. Like I, I need too much rest. I'm too needy. My life doesn't beget rest. So I need to just like change my needs, but I can't, you know, it's like, I, I can't change what I need. And, um, I feel like I've seen rest as like sacred and a gift this year. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm really hesitant to add things back in. Like, I don't know. I mean, like I want to, obviously, like I want to do stuff, but I've just been thinking more like in terms of like, how much will this exhaust me? And like, what will, cause like everything we decide to do comes at a cost, you know? And like, yeah. I think a lot of times we say yes to things without like really thinking through like, what does that mean? for my family that day, for me, for like just planning. And like, so I think I've, I've developed more of an awareness of those sort of things. And I'm, I'm not trepidatious, but I think I'm just a little bit more aware of in like an honoring way, not in like a way, like I'm saying, I don't want to hang out with anybody, but like in a way of honoring myself through rest and just admit it. Cause I think, you know, I think a lot of us, um, I think it also is a stay at home mom thing. Like you kind of feel sometimes like, you need to be doing more or like it's not valid because you're not working. So like, you're not allowed to be tired or stuff like that. Or like I, I a lot of times feel like I'm supposed to be like the one to help everybody. Like I'm supposed to be room mom because I have the time to do it or I'm supposed to be like, yeah. and, and I think I'm realizing like that's BS and I don't have to do those things. And it's very valid for me to need what I need. And so I want to move forward with excitement and a social calendar, but also like, and I'm not saying like, everything is revolving around me either. I'm just saying like knowing what I'm giving up when I say yes, because your yes also is saying no to something, right? So yeah. I also have learned that it's okay to change your mind. Um, mm, if, yeah. if you would have asked me, as, uh, you know, a year ago, is it okay to change your mind? I'd be like, yeah, it's okay to change your mind. But like in reality, like when I make it, I'm a very decisive person and I make decisions very quickly. But when I make a decision about something and I, 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 it's a myriad of things, whether it's a, it's a political position or it's a decision about my kid's school, or it's a decision about what we're going to do with our house. Like we've just been doing a ton of remodeling and uh, I mean, a very minor, and and this is going to kind of, this will feed into actually, this is a good transition and a little bit to our discussion that we're going to have with Shannon about, um, our, you know, just how our homes are an extension of who we are. Um, this is kind of like a small little thing. We, we did a, um, home remodeling project, um, in our house and we floored over an area and made a new room. And I changed my mind in the middle of the project on how I wanted something done. And I knew it was going to anger the contractor. Like what had happened wasn't irreversible and materials could be returned and nobody was going to really lose any money, but it was a big change in my decision of what I wanted to do. And it kind of changed the plan of how things were going to go and how things were going to like finish. And, and like, I almost didn't change my mind because I'm the kind of person who thinks once I make a decision, it has to stay that way. And also I felt guilty changing my mind and causing the contractor to be upset. Um, which he was upset and it's fine, but I'm allowed to change my mind. I am mm-hmm. paying you tens of thousands of dollars to do this work at my house. Like I'm allowed to change my mind. And that's just like a small example because it's not earth shattering or life affecting or whatever, but it's like a, it's an example of a lot of my life I've lived with. I've made a decision. 
this is what we're going to do and it can't change. And, um, and if I change it, that means my initial decision was the wrong decision, which then goes back to pride, right? Like if I change my mind about X thing and we do something different, then it means my original decision was the wrong decision and I don't make wrong decisions. And so... Mm. Haven't I, you ever listened to the Next Right Thing podcast, Rebecca? <laughs> I have not internalized it very well. <laughs> but as God typically does, he has to, this has happened multiple times in my life. You think I've learned my lesson, but I'm like the Israelites and I don't learn my lesson. Um, I, Nate, um, God, I was about to say Nathan, that's my son. God has to um, knock me down massive pegs for me to learn lessons. Like, I wish that wasn't true. Um, like, I think some people can get knocked around a little bit and then they're like, oh, I'm learning a lesson. Like, I literally have to be stripped of everything mm. of all my pride before I can learn a lesson. <laughs> and it's, and I've learned, I'm like, I hope that I would, will eventually learn my lesson and I don't have to be knocked so far down into a pit to learn my lesson. <laughs> Maybe I'll eventually just like take a, a few steps down because I'm not prideful enough to think that it's never going to happen again, that I'm going to like, you know, not learn a lesson or something. But it's more of like, I'm surprised at how often in my life God really has to make me fail and not make me, he's not making me fail. You know what I mean? Allow certain things to happen yeah. in my life where I'll listen because I don't listen otherwise. Um Anyways, the big, I, I, I really do think the flexibility and then the chain, the, the ability to change your mind. Um, I can't remember who said it recently. I don't remember. Maybe it was Beth Moore. I can't remember. Somebody said in a tweet and it was like, and it was like, I'm allowed to change my mind. Like, it's okay to change your mind. Like, it, it's okay to say I was wrong that first time I made this decision or, mm-hmm. or maybe that was the right decision for that, that time. And now a new decision is the right decision. Like, it doesn't, you know, it's not a, like a one and done thing. And yeah, so that's and we can't- for me. We also can't get our identities wrapped up in our decisions. You know, I think that's why a lot of that's where a lot of like the division we're seeing like politically and just among Mm -hmm. people is it's like we it's like you dig your heels and you're like, well, I'm I've I've just I don't know, like um, someone close to me has gone from being afraid of COVID and very like COVID is real to now like this is all a hoax and the vaccines are trying to kill you and all these things. And it's like. I just, I see the situation and I'm like, you're just, your identity is wrapped up in what you think about something. And that's, and that's yeah. just like a, it's a reminder to all of us. I think we've seen these people and like, it, it's like, there's this stubborn pride. That's like, I can't have been wrong. Cause if I was wrong, yeah. but it's like, you should have never been defined by like any of like, and I'm not saying you can't be defined by your actions. Cause I think our actions do show our character, but I think that the ability to say like, huh, I didn't know that. I have new information now. Okay. I'm going to roll with this. Like that is just such a, a humility. And we can't, we can't ourselves. That comes from, from knowing in your guts that like Jesus loves you and that it's okay. Like, and like, you're not having to puff up your own ego by being right all the time, you know, because, and that's what I've learned that this year too. Like I just, especially towards the beginning of this whole pandemic when like no one knew what to do and like it was like do we wear masks we not wear masks do we we leave the house can we go on a walk like it was like nobody knew what to do and it was just it was so interesting because I was like we're all just doing our best and even though I've seen people like I feel like I empathize even though I get really angry when people like you know act 
like COVID is fake or I, I, you know, I get really mad about that, but I also feel like I'm like, I have an empathy just as a fellow human to say, huh, that's exhausting to be defined by what you think. And I've been there too. Like no matter what it is, like maybe not about COVID, but about other things where I've sought my identity and like something. And so I think that's another thing this year is like, we just, we're not defined by like whether or not we like something or don't like something or think some politician is like, it. it's like an idol factory. Yeah. So anyway, I definitely definitely believe that I made an idol out of my decision-making ability, (laughs) like my ability to always make the right decision um, and my ability to always have the right answer. Um, And thinking that people identified me with my, the decision that I was making. And maybe some Mm. people do it. Maybe some people do. And that's their problem, not mine. But like, like, and then, and then not, then even when I felt really called to change my mind on something, being afraid to do it because I didn't want to look like I didn't know what I was talking about. Yeah. And so, or that I, you know, was hypocritical or what I just had this huge fear of being a hypocrite. And I think that's why, like, there's a difference between being hypocritical and getting new information and changing your mind. Yeah. But like, you know, those are two different things. Like, and just because you have new information or there's a new decision that is um, the new right decision, or as Emily P. Freeman mm-hmm. said, the next right thing, that doesn't mean you're being hypocritical. Um, like those aren't like, they don't go hand in hand. Um, and so I think, I think hypocrisy comes when you say one thing and do another thing. That's different than, than saying and doing a thing and then switching and saying and doing something else. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and you know, I, I think I think our growth. What I've learned is that our growth spiritually and our growth just as human beings gets stunted when we refuse to change. Um, and I think we see that a lot in the church. I think we've got a lot of a lot of areas of life where people just get super stubborn about about change. Um, and obviously, there's black and white things that should never change. But and there's truth and there's absolute truth, um, especially when it comes to the things of God. But I think there's a lot of gray. There's a lot of gray that we're allowed to change our mind on, you know. Um, and it's probably really hard when you've believed something your whole life and someone calls it into question. Like, yeah. so I, I, I have empathy for that. But I think it's also just like reminded me this year that like, just because we have the ability to reach everybody we know at a given time about our opinion, whatever it is, doesn't mean we need to use that. Like we don't need, everybody doesn't need to know how I feel about everything all the time. It's, it's not because that's the thing. It's like, you could have just wrestled with whatever the thing you're talking about is internally, you know, and kind of, but like, it's like when we, when we're so like loud about stuff and so like, this is what I think and trying to like, you know, tell people what to think and like, you know, keyboard warrioring and all that stuff. It's like, it just ends up biting you in the butt. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, I know that and that's, and that's another lesson and something I'll take away from this and that I will be taking away and, and adding is like, not everybody needs to know about my opinions about everything. That's shocking. I know. But like, not everybody needs to know my opinions on everything. And if I do 
project my opinions on everything. And then I change my mind. Then I feel this pressure that I need to explain myself. And why do I need to explain myself? Like, it's because I've touted my opinion so loudly that now I've changed my mind. And now I feel this need to like backtrack. And like, if I would have not been so um, desirous of, is that a word? Um, Yes. of um, getting my opinion out there in the first place that I wouldn't feel this need to backtrack. And that doesn't mean there is a time and a place to like say what you believe about something. I, I think sure. there are times, yeah. there's a time and a place to like state your opinion. There's a time and a place to share what you're learning. And God calls us to be, to be voice pieces. Um, I, I'm not saying that, that we should just go dark and go silent, but I think we need to, I need to be, I, for me and other people probably too as well, I need to be more trepidatious and sharing my opinions um, like they are, maybe, maybe it's not sharing my opinions. Maybe it's sharing my opinions with the thought that I, that this is a one and done. This is what I believe now. And this is the one I will always believe. And I may not say that, but the way my words come across as this is true set in stone with no room for like changing my mind versus this is what I believe right now with the information that I have. And this is what right. I think is good. At, this is what I think is good and right. But if you say it in a certain way, that leaves the room, it leaves room to like process and think and change your mind and allow other people to help you change your mind and all of those things versus like, this is the way it is. And by golly, I'm not changing my mind, you know? And so I think that's a very, a very big lesson I've learned this year that I hope, I hope and pray God reminds me over and over and over to like continue to learn that lesson because I never want to um, stunt my own growth or the growth of those around me because I'm stubborn. So. Yeah. I mean, we all are. It's not just you. Like, yeah, we all are. And I think, yeah, I just don't know that we all need a platform, but I'll, I'll get off that soapbox hat. Um, you get off your own platform about platforms. I'll get off my own platform that we don't all need a platform all the time about everything. Um, but yeah, so I think, um, I know we've learned some really good lessons and I know that it's also given us an opportunity to see what we really miss because I think, um, the good thing about this having gone on for a year is that, you know, if it had gone on for like two or three months, that would be one thing, but like the extended difficulty of it. Yeah. Really. And then the difficulty of it through every season of the year, like I'm, I'm approaching my second COVID birthday this month. Like yeah. that's weird. So about um, my kids. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. But like, as we, I think that extended the whole year has really given me a different perspective because it's like, you know, the first couple of months, like you miss like some, you know, you miss dirt, different things than you do when you're like, I haven't done like this thing. And I've, it's just funny. Like, I feel like it's given me freedom too. Cause like, I, I don't like going to concerts. Like I just, I don't like being in crowds of people. I have un, I have like random panic attacks that I can't control. And, and it's like, it'll happen like once every like six times I'm in a big crowd of people and I can't control when it happens. And like, I just don't want to deal with it. And like, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I went a whole year and like, I don't have to go to concerts if I don't want to, but it's like, yeah. I had to be removed to know, like I can say, yeah. no, and I could change my mind. I might go to a concert, you know, like you were just saying, but like, it's just, yeah. it's, I feel like in some ways the like shackles of being stuck at home gave me freedom to really decide like, do I like doing this or do I, or like, do I want to read that book? Or is that like an aspirational book that I want people to think I'm smart because I read it? 
but really I want to read like some stupid murder mystery. Like it, it's yeah. like that kind of thing where it's like, I've gotten to really know myself and know yes. what I like. And like, I'm feeling more comfortable in that. And I'm feeling more comfortable, like in just me, like my body. And like, I've, you know, this year I finally started a workout routine that has stuck. And it's literally because I made it for my mental health. And yeah. I knew I was like, I have to do this. Like I have to like sweat and have movement because if I don't like, this is like, and I, I really think that's why I didn't completely lose my mind this year. But it's like, I feel like I've just gotten to this place too with my body where it's like all the situations that would have made me like anxious about my body or like, you know, self, like whatever, like paying too much attention, they kind of got taken away. I mean, when you're home with your family all the time, it's like, you just yeah. don't it, it, like at some point you just like stop being self-obsessed for a little while. Um, yeah which was my struggle. Like I, I mean me, like that's my thing is like, I always am like worried about how I look and how I present to people and stuff. And like, um, it really gave me freedom to be like, all this that I do, it like, doesn't matter. And I, I think I knew that in my brain, but I feel like this year I've really learned it deep down. Like it just doesn't matter, you know? And like, if I hadn't been taken out of my routines and my like, oh, we're going to dinner at this like fancy restaurant and like, we have to like look a certain way or like, oh, it's this, like, just whatever, like hanging out with your frenemies that you don't really like, but you're like kind of weird and competitive with and like just all that crap that we do. Um, when that was all gone, I was just like, I, I actually kind of like myself and like, I'm not so worried about yeah. how I look to people. And like, that's been such a gift and I, I couldn't have made that happen, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, it's, it's interesting. One, one last thing I learned and it actually will transition into our interview, which we need to transition into is I never liked being at home. I never wanted to be by myself. Um, and I never really wanted to be home as a family. Like I wanted us mm. to travel as a family and I wanted us to go out and do things as a family, but I didn't really want to be home as a family. And I think part of it's a mixture of two things. It's a mixture of, I don't want to be alone in my house by myself because then I have to deal with myself and I don't like to deal with myself. And two is I don't want to be bored and yeah. um, I don't do well with boredom. Uh, I mean, most people don't do well with boredom, but I really don't because I'm such a go, go, go kind of personality. And I have come to enjoy being in my house alone and I've come to enjoy being with my family in my house um Aww. so when I came to that conclusion uh like I'm like I'm serious when I say that I am going to be very adding very little back into my life like I mean I would like to get a job and I would like to like see my friends again and go back to church. There are things that I do want to add yeah. back in, but I don't feel the need to like plan every single second of my day outside my house and only be here to sleep. I don't feel like I need to do that anymore when I used to feel like That's that. That's great. But a part of that decision was I need to make my house the way I want it so mm -hmm. that I enjoy being here more. So about, you know, three or four months into quarantine where both Dave and I were like, oh, okay, we need to, if this is going to be a thing now that we're at home more, then we need to do X, Y, and Z. We've lived here for almost 13 years and we haven't done these things because we've been too busy. And we're like, yeah. well, we're never, we're never at home anyways. We don't spend that much time here. Why do we need to do those things? We'll do those things when we sell the house. And now that we enjoy spending time at home, we probably should make our home the way we want it. And so we've done a ton of projects this year and we have a couple more still on the docket and um 
I've just learned that the importance of home and making it a place that you want to be in and a place your kids want to be in and like a safe place, not saying that my house wasn't safe. It wasn't unsafe, but like just making it the way you want it instead of, I, I think before it was one of two things. I ignored my house because I don't spend any time here anyway. So it doesn't matter. And secondly, I needed to look a certain way that fits like certain trends or like the way other people yeah. are doing their house. And what I've learned this year, all that really matters is that I like my house. <laughs> Um, and that my family likes my house and it fits our needs, even if that looks different than Joe Schmo's da- down the street, right? Um, because that doesn't matter. So anyways, and that's kind of, you know, Shannon, um, who, who you're about to hear the interview from, that's pretty much the heartbeat behind her book is yeah. as a, as a decorator, the book house made lovely. Like she's, she's trying to help us find our own personal style and how we can make our house where we feel at home in it. And then when Mm -hmm. we feel at home in our own home, then we're more likely to invite people in. Because what I thought before was, if I make my house that everybody likes, then people want to be in my house. Versus what people, and I think we talked about this in the interview, what people really like is to see you comfortable in your own home. And they see you in your own home. And then they feel comfortable because you're comfortable in your own home. Instead of being like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, um, I really need to get a new couch or I'm so sorry there's a mess over there or I'm so sorry it's dusty or whatever we say as apologies when people come to our house, you know? Um, instead, you know, if we feel comfortable in our home, then people will feel comfortable when they come over, no matter what it looks like. So, And I think that's such a good parallel with like our ourselves and our bodies yes. and our clothes. Like, it's the same thing. It's like when when we're comfortable with ourselves, we're more open and we're more happy. And like, you know, there's a reason those friends you wear like gross sweatpants around. Like there's a reason those are your closest friendships. And it's like, I want our homes to feel like that too. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, I hope you guys enjoy our episode with Shannon Atchison, the interior decorator. I think it was a great conversation and I hope you guys get something out of it too. Um, as we go into spring and feels like a time where everybody's doing new things to their houses. And then afterwards we'll come back and we'll talk, uh, about a few things. Hey, Teddy. (laughs) Sorry. Out a few um, other things that we want to recommend um, as we move towards Easter and spring. So um, we'll be back after the interview. Hey, Shannon, welcome to Woven. Hi, thanks for having me. Happy to give us a little bit of info about you before we get started. Um, I am mostly a self-taught designer. I did take some classes after the fact, after I started doing all this, um, just to make sure I had sort of all the basics covered. Um, But really mostly from observing things. I am a homeschooling mom. My kids are now 16, 18, and 20. So one is in college, one is starting her own business. And the last one's sort of just finishing online high school. Um, I've been married happily for Uh, by the time this airs, almost 25 years. And we live in the suburbs of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Awesome. Are you a Canadian? Like, did you grow up in Canada? Yeah, I did. Yeah, for sure. I was born in Toronto. And then, yeah, definitely. Awesome. Um, Why are you guys always so nice? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I'm from Canada and she's just like the nicest person. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, most most Canadians are mostly. It really it's like I've never met like a mean Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they exist. I love you people up there. <laughs> we're, we're the opposite direction. We're all the way down south in Atlanta. So I, I have a feeling our weather is different than yours right now. So. Um, yeah, we actually got our... I'm in very southern um, Ontario. And so yeah. we just got our first snowstorm of like the, the winter. And so it's pretty cold right now. But I've been to Atlanta and I love it there. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I used to go to a conference down there every year. Oh, cool. Awesome. Yep. Okay. So what, so you, this, you know, obviously you have a love of decorating and you started getting into this and writing about it and um, took classes on designing, but why this book, which we'll tell our listeners um, is called Homemade Lovely. And why, what's the heartbeat behind this book? Why did you write this one? Um, this one was sort of, it covers rather than focus, hyper-focusing on like one part of home, be it decorating, decluttering, like any one part for this book, it was sort of everything I believe about home, everything I've learned in, um, I don't know, 25 years of being married, lots of years of lots of different houses. We've moved lots and lots. And so it was sort of just everything that I believed. It brings in like um, the faith perspective of it and being thankful for whatever home you happen to be in um, Mm -hmm. and the decorating and the decluttering and the hospitality part. So all the things, it was sort of um, one of my agents at one point said, it's sort of your my whole decorating or whole home philosophy or stick, I guess, is what like, what she said. So it's just all of the things that I really believe about home. Yeah, when I was reading through it, I just so badly wished I knew someone who was getting married because <laughs> I feel like it is a wonderful bridal shower gift um, for somebody. I've heard, yeah, it's approachable even if you like someone like me who enjoys decorating has been doing it for a long time. Like I get a lot out of it, but I think it's also a really good place to start too if you're really. Yeah which was like one of the questions we had, like, I know a lot of women think they're not good at decorating. They can't decorate. It has to look like this certain decorator to have done a good job. Like how, why do you think we're so insecure about it? And we think we can't do it. Um, because I think that, I think there's two things. I think, um, uh, social media and online plays a huge part in all the things we think we should be good at and the certain way we should look, our homes should look like it just, it's a very polished view of things right now. Um, the other thing is, is that there's sort of this um, mistaken thought that somebody has to have designer jeans, um, like G-E-N-E-S, like designer jeans, like they have to have that innate ability to be able to do it. And while some people certainly are, you know, more creative than other people, we were all designed creatively to be creative and there are certain things that can be taught and it, you want to have somewhere that looks and feels like you. So you can learn to do that in your own space. Yeah, for sure. As someone, I, I, I enjoy decorating my home too, but I, I'm, I'm definitely one of those people and Rebecca can attest to this because the, the, anybody who's listened to our show for long enough, you know, is, you know, part of our shtick almost, if you will, is that she's the creative one and I'm the like <laughs> heady one, which is not true because she can be heady and I, I guess maybe I can be creative. You're creative. <laughs> I think we but I don't hate and I'm not a chef. And so it doesn't have that, <laughs> that outward appearance of what we deem as creative in quotation marks. Yeah. Um, so I, when I tend to decorate, I think I tend to second guess myself. Um, even though I very much know what I like and what I don't like. Right. I very much think I do have a, a style um, yeah. and I like my style. But sometimes I second guess my style, if you will, because I think it should 
first off, I think I'm not, you know, creative enough or gifted enough in it. And secondly, I think, well, maybe that style isn't on trend. So, I mean, some people, whatever the trend is, maybe that really is their style. But what do you say to women or people that are, um, you know, starting out or wanting to redecorate or moving to a new house or just want to do something different? Like, how do you um, find what it is is your design style versus of just going with whatever the trends are? Partially because if you always constantly follow the trends, it'll get real expensive. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think I'm one of very few designers who doesn't say, go follow the trends and, and do it all the time. Um, change it to, you know, your house has to keep up with the trends. Um, if you love a trend and you'll know whether you genuinely love it or not versus whether it's just something to do, if you love it, then by all means incorporate it in your house. Um, my one caveat with that is that if you love it and you want to incorporate it and you know that you have a tendency to switch trends and follow trends and do things, do it in a small, easily changeable way versus, you know, tiling your whole house in some big, whatever the newest trend is, right? Um, something that can be changed if that's, if you know, that's your personality. Um, yeah. And you just need to find your style. Um, I know that some people teach style doesn't matter, but I think when you're articulating and when you're shopping and when you're trying to look for it, it certainly helps to have the vocabulary around whatever style you like to be able to know what to look for. Um, and so uh, there's, I have a quiz on my, on my website actually that helps find um, top three styles. And then um, in the book, obviously it talks about, it lists out, I think it's 14 styles with sort of keywords and things that go with that. And then I have a course, an online virtual class too, that goes even deeper into that if that's something that people are, are having a hard time with. So there's different, depends how deep into it you want to go, right? And how much help you need with it. Yeah. yeah, I love that because I I'm eclectic. I like yeah. the quiz, um, and that's what I am. Which I didn't probably need a quiz to tell me that. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> what you said about it was that like I I mix things that don't necessarily go together, and I've known that. But number one, it kind of gave me like a freedom to do that, where it was like, no, it's okay that like because you know I, I obviously have elements from all kinds of random things because our house is like a mismatch of everything, but. <laughs> It's just helpful for me to, I think, okay, so what's bothered me about home decor trends in the last few years and what I kind of want to talk to you is like the predominant style, at least where we live has been very like farmhouse and like all of like that thing. And that just hasn't been me. Like, I think it's beautiful. It's just not my style. So I have felt like, oh, I have crappy style because mm-hmm. my house is literally painted peach. I have a lot of brass tones, all those things that everyone's like, oh, this is so over. I'm like, but I love that stuff. Like that's right. what I want. And so I guess like, I love this book because you give us freedom to just embrace what it is that we like. And it's not like, because on the surface, it can be like, oh, you're behind the times, right? Or like, oh, you don't know what's cool. But it's really, our homes are supposed to be a reflection of us and our families and our lives, right? You're the one who has to live there. You're the one who has to look at it all the time. And so I just, yeah, I will never, ever tell anyone, oh no, that's out of style. Like you won't find on my site, uh, like not in the book, not on my website, like stop using these things if you want to be. And so like, I don't, that's not, if you love it, then you love it. And who the heck cares what everybody else thinks of it? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's funny because as we talked about before we got started, we're in the process. I'm I'm one of those, my husband and I, we've been married almost 20 years and we've been in our house almost 13 years and we're kind of very all or nothing. Like we don't do anything on our house. We don't do anything on our house. And then like we do everything on our house. <laughs> so we're in the second way. So, you know, the first, after the first year or so that we moved in, we did a bunch of stuff and then we haven't done anything. And now we're in the second wave of doing everything. And so my house is complete chaos right now. And so, um, and so I, I, it's been a lot of making decisions and choices um, about things. Um, and I, what was great when we, Rebecca and I were having discussion, we were like deciding what we were before pre- preparing for this interview. And I think I, my personality is such that I don't, I, li- I like to be a little on trend, but not on trend, almost as kind of like a stick it to the trend. And I thought it was just because that's my personality. Like everybody has white kitchens, so I'm not doing white kitchens. And so it's, I'm not actually doing white kitchen because I don't want a white kitchen, but it's a balance of personality and also knowing your style. And I thought it was just because I'm trying to buck trend, but it's not really, I mean, there is some of that still underneath me. It's not really a bucking trend. It's more of a, that's not my style and that's okay. Like, it's okay that I have my cabinets this color in my kitchen, even if that's not current. We're also not having any intention of selling our house anytime soon. I think it's a little bit different when you're going to, when you're going to sell your house, obviously you make different choices because you need to have to have broad appeal. But if you're going to live in your house, like you were telling Rebecca Cochran, like you have to, you have to like it because you're the one who has to live there. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So the line between that and like, yes, you, you're the one who has to live there. You have to like it. You want it to be a comfortable space for you. But you talk a lot about in the book too, and I think this is kind of the heartbeat of your ministry, is also making it a space to invite others in which right now we're in COVID. So I know. That's <laughs> happening. But you know, in the grand scheme of things, hopefully one day we'll be able to invite our people back into our homes again. Like, yeah. um, let's talk a little bit about that, about what it means to create a space that's us, but is also welcoming to others. Um, yeah, so I think some of that is, um, comes across in the, in, in a little bit in the confidence of decorating in a way that makes you feel comfortable. And mm-hmm. some of it is sort of leaving space for other people to feel comfortable. So, and, you know, for me, that's knowing who, who I regularly have over, obviously pre COVID, <laughs> nobody's coming over right now, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, my sister loves tea. So, and I don't love like regular tea. So I keep, you know, orange pico tea in the drawer for her. So that's welcoming to her. Another friend I know and my mother-in-law get cold in our air conditioning in the summer and whatever. So I keep extra blankets, like sort of throw blankets for them. And we have those anthropology mugs with initials on them. And so uh, ages ago, I bought a bunch of them for people that we know so that they have a monogram mug when they come over, right? Like there's just... (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> we can use the same monogram so. <laughs> you can buy those anywhere for like five dollars you can go to target and that's such yeah. a like easy way that i love that anyway continue it's just a personal <laughs> touch right yeah. so they can go oh my gosh you have my and so there initially there was a couple that i didn't have so after someone had come over they're like oh you don't have it i would go and buy it because yeah. i wanted them next time they came over to feel that extra little welcome right and yeah. so it's just little, you know, before someone comes over, ask them if they have any food issues, like if they can't mm-hmm. eat anything, if they're avoiding anything, if they're, you know, what their favorite thing is and sort of just have those things. So that's, that's not the decorating part per se, but that's just the, the hospitality and the heart for. Well, for that's love. the difference between decorating and hospitality, right? Yeah. 
Because I've been in people's spaces where it is beautiful and perfect and I don't feel welcome. And I've been in right. spaces that are jacked up, but I love it. You know, <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> and that's the difference between here, look at my awesome space and here, come in and let me love on you in our space, yeah. make yourself comfortable kind of thing. That's why we have a slip covered couch because if someone, <laughs> my brother-in-law spills a glass of red wine on the couch. I can take it off and watch the slip cover, right. right? Like that's why I tried a white slip cover, even a slip cover. I tried a white couch years ago when it was like super trendy and I couldn't live with it. And so, you know, we bought a different slip cover. Yay, Ikea for cheap. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like you make it so that you love it for you, but it also needs to be livable for the people who live there and anybody else you're going to have in. Like, so, you know, yeah. I mean, if you've got friends who have little babies and you don't anymore, keep a little box of baby toys or like just things that make people feel welcome and loved is really what I believe hospitality is. And it's like almost never expensive. Like those touches, right. like that's yeah. the thing. Like I think people get overwhelmed and they think about redecorating, but it's like just thinking about what you would need or like that old adage of like you sleep in the guest room to see what your guests need right. or like what happens in the guest room because you're not in there. Like, um, I think that that intentionality and that heart posture can just go so far in making people yeah. feel welcome. But there's yeah. also a very practical message at decorating that your book helped me define and that I think can rein us in, which is like the idea, like, even though I can say like, well, I'm eclectic and I like all this different stuff. There's also a rhyme and reason to how you position things, where you put things in a room, how much space you leave around areas. So I think everybody does need decorating help for like the practicality. Right. And yes, for sure. For, you know, is there enough space to walk between the coffee table and the couch without bashing your shins on it? Or, right. Like, is there enough space for two people to cross in the hallway or the kitchen or, yeah. And so, yeah, there's measurements and, you know, all that sort of thing in there so that you can, you can have those guidelines, I guess, more than anything, not hard and fast rules, but guidelines. Well, yeah. And it's like, things look funny in twos. You want threes, but it's like things like that, that, you know, kind of like intrinsically, but Sometimes you're like, that looks funny, but I don't know why. Right. Like, I feel yeah. like you're there helping us to be like, maybe this is why this one thing isn't working. Or if you tweak right. this, like, I love that part of it because it's, um, that's so helpful. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think, yeah. And I think as you know, you were talking about, um, when you first get, so my husband and I have been married almost 20 years. When we first got married, you know, we, I got married, I was 21 years old. So first off, I didn't know what <laughs> I was my 20. style was. Um, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what my style was. And yeah. two, I, um, also you, you got what you got. Like, you know, you're, you know, I was moving out of a dorm room into an apartment with my husband. <laughs> right. You know, so you got what was handed to you. And, um, but as, as we've matured and gotten rid of stuff and added new stuff, I've had to start thinking more about what is it that I like so that it all comes together. Like, I think, I think this is what you were speaking to, but like, I think that there are different styles. Like I'm, I'm mid-century modern for sure. So like, that's my style and she's eclectic, but like, we, we can still put everything together where it feels welcoming, whether I think sometimes because of social media, we think that the only welcoming environment is like neutral colors. That's the only right. welcoming environment, you right. know? And I, and, and if you're, if, if neutral styles is your, that's me, but that's, <laughs> but that's, you know, but I like color. So, right. yeah. Yeah. so, um, and I think that it can be warm and inviting and welcoming 
without it being a certain, there's not a prescription for it being. No, there's certain guidelines. Like you said, things look better in threes, five, seven, like odd numbers there, you know, there should be this much space between X, Y, and Z, you know, put a vignette together and have three different heights. Like there are basic things that work no matter what your style is and no matter what you have in your house. Yeah, it's true. For sure. What do you think? Like, so if somebody's listening and they're like, I really want to improve the feel of my home. What's one thing they can do? To start. <laughs> um, generally, the very first place I tell people to start is to define um, and sort of really think about how you want your home to feel. Do you want it to be like you like colors and stuff like that? Do you want it to be a vibrant space? Do you want it to be a soothing, calm space? Do you, um, you know, really, how do you want it to feel? And sort of write that down. And then from there, figure out what your style is based on that. Because that will guide what your style is. Because if you want somewhere that is like super cozy and like enveloping, you're not going to want to go with a minimalist kind of style, right? Like, like you just need to figure out how you want it to feel. And then from there, figure out um, your style and then sort of plan out colors that would you, that you would use from there. I don't, it's not going to help you to go and minimally like, sorry, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just randomly change certain things. Yeah. Uh, Change the lamp, change whatever. You sort of need the groundwork of Hmm. how do you want your home to feel and the style and the colors. And then from there you can work on changing things, but you kind of need the, the plan and the, and the framework in place before you actually change anything. And I also think a lot of, you know, the makeup of your family too. Like yeah. somebody who's an empty nester is going to be different than somebody who has babies. It's right. going to be different than somebody who's homeschooling versus somebody yeah. who's not homeschooling, you know? Like there, you also have to think about like what stage of life you're in too. And yeah. so, because I think that we, sometimes at least I get, and other people I think do too, get frustrated with their home because it doesn't meet their practical needs. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And so you have to, you have to involve all of that. So like, what do you want it to feel like? What do you want the, your, what's your style, but also like, what is practical? Like you were saying with the white couch, like, yeah, like, of course we need, a, we need a new couch right now, but there, our couch really isn't that bad, but it, it's like 15 years old, but right. I'm, probably, I'm probably gonna wait. Just my kids are getting closer. I don't need to worry about it anymore, but we're still there. And so um, I'm going to hold yeah, off on the They couch. don't get any better as teenagers. So buy something slip covered or wipeable. <laughs> that, that unfortunately doesn't go away as they get older. <laughs> well, and we're, and I'm transitioning to where I'm getting close to having teenagers and hers right. are still younger. And so we're transitioning out of playrooms into more like big kid spaces. And we're, we're, can, where where can my my kids think that their friends could come visit? Right. Like, what can we? Because I I liked my house to be one of the hangout houses because then you can watch what's going on. And so like, yeah, want- and so but and that's true. So the and then the order that the the book goes and that I lay everything out is yeah, you need to, you want to know how it feels. You want to choose a style and a color that works with how you want it to feel. And then absolutely before you start doing furniture and things like that, there's space planning and there's like, there's a a whole thing of to find the function of the room, write down everything that has to happen in this room and then sort out what you need around that for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So we're a Christian podcast and you're a Christian. (laughs) A lot of your book also has to do with um, how decorating our spaces um, glorifies God. So let's talk about that a little bit. Like when you go to decorate your house, what do you mean by you can decorate um, and glorify God at the same time? Um, So it's, there's a few things. One is obviously being a good steward of the resources that you have. So if you have something that 
you know, if you already have something, like you said, your couch, you're not ready. You've had it for a long time, but you're not quite there to replace it yet. Then that's great. Then you, then keep it. If you have a table, that's a great shape, but it needs a new paint, paint it something else to match your, your, what you're going for. Um, so being a good steward of what you have, being a good steward of what you spend on your decorating and stuff too, can be a tricky one because it's easy to get carried away. Um, using deliberately choosing to use things that would glorify God. So be that in scripture art or things like that. Um, and avoiding things. There was a, a trend a little while ago of like, um, decorating with like skulls of, of like animals and decorating with like actual up here. Anyways, there was somebody had these, like, it was like a skull sculpture. Like it was like a piece of art. And so avoiding things like that, like just that's, that's not, that's just not anyway. (laughs) Um, and then obviously for us, it's not really part of the decorating so much, but the um, going through and doing a house blessing and sort of just inviting God and the Holy Spirit into your whole home and um, choosing to use it for what he wants you to use it for too. So yeah, yeah, it's sort of a lot of things with that. I liked that part of the book. So I encourage people to go read that. But uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't grow up in a faith that did house blessings, but, um, but then I started, um, and then I, but then I started making friends with people who that was part of their faith, um, you know, and I think that, is amazing. I mean, I can, uh, I'll share a story. I hope Rebecca Clark doesn't mind me sharing it. But um, <laughs> my preteen daughter was going through a period where she was dealing with a lot of anxiety. And um, Rebecca asked me if she could pray over my daughter's room. And my daughter didn't know how she was at school. Um, but there is something about inviting God into a space. Yeah, um, that's important. So I, I really liked that's a really good part of your book. And that's a really good conversation to to talk yeah. about um, praying over your spaces and inviting the Holy Spirit. We do it at church. We invite the Holy yeah. Spirit in to worship. Yeah. So, you know, our homes are a place of worship too. So we should yeah. invite them into that. As well. And it's not too late. Like if you've lived in your house 30 years, you can still pray a blessing over Absolutely. It. Like it's not like a I'm moving in thing. Yeah. Um, no, no, absolutely. We did it when we moved in here. And then I've there. So, and it helps if you have someone who has a, a spirit of discernment as one of their spiritual gifts that helps um, but yeah, I think, yeah, so, <laughs> so, no, that's not a bad thing. Like if you have, if you do, if you're, so I do, but my husband doesn't, but he has a gift of faith. And so when I feel like the house is just something's just, it's mm-hmm. just, I don't know, anxious or yeah. whatever. I'll ask him to go through as again, I could do it too, but often I'll ask him as the head of the house to go through and pray through the house again. And it makes a huge difference. I know that to some people that might sound woo woo and weird, but I mean, as Christians, we don't just, I mean, there is the spiritual realm and there Our is. faith is woo woo and weird. No, it's true. To be a Christian. It yeah. is. It's yeah, so true. like mainstream, but it's like not. Yeah, it's, it's true. true. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. True. I mean, we're, we're called to be different. <laughs> And yeah. that includes our houses. Um, you yeah. know, when people yeah. walk into our space, and this will get into like our next question, but when people walk into our spaces that maybe aren't Christian, like do yeah. they, do they, can they feel that in your house? Um, they may not know what that is. Right. Um, but let's talk about that a little bit, like using yeah. our houses um, as um, a spiritual tool um, of discipleship, a spiritual tool of um evangelism, hospitality, hospitality, all of that. You talk about that a lot too. So what are some ways that we can use our homes in that way? Um, so for me, it's, 
it's more initially. So if it's, if it's people that, you know, like your family and things that are already are Christians, they'll be able to tell, like, they'll be able to just feel calm. There's countless times that people have said your house is so calm and so peaceful. And I just want to curl up on your couch and just sit here for a while. And then if it's, if they're not Christians yet, or, you know, it's meeting them where they're at. So, I mean, be kind to your neighbors outside. We've had a lot, a lot of time, which actually we've really enjoyed with our next door neighbors um, over this last year, because we were home a lot more and they were home a lot more. And so, you know, um, just, you know, so they'll come and for example, it snowstormed yesterday. They came and actually blew out our, our driveway. You can help them with yard work. You can offer to get things at the store for them. And so that is sort of an extension. It's a bit of an extension of your house because it's not always in your house, especially right now. Um, invite them in for tea and just meet people where they're at mm-hmm. and love on them and be kind to them. And then <clears throat> that can open doors for conversations bigger conversations about faith and, and beliefs. Yeah, I agree. And yeah. just, yeah, it is interesting there. You can, once you start really looking for it and praying for it, you can, you can go into people's houses and <laughs> you can sense what's peaceful. And I mean, everybody has chaotic moments in their life. I mean, my house of is course. right now with all the construction workers in there. So there's, there's seasons, you know, and, or when you have toddlers running around, but they're still even, even but in it's different. Those, yeah, even yeah. in those seasons of chaos, there's still a difference in the home. Yeah. And um, I, I can remember. So I, I did, I, I didn't grow up in a home. Um, we were not a church-going family. I didn't become a Christian until I was 18. Um, but I, my best friend growing up was, and she took me to church all the time and all of that. But what I remember, I don't remember. I mean, I remember her taking me to church and that kind of stuff. But I remember the most is how welcome her mom made me feel in the house. And it wasn't anything that she did specifically that any other of my friends' parents didn't do. But it was just the I, I want. I mean, her house was just a place of respite. Right. And I don't even know how to tangibly say what it was. I mean, she yeah. was clean and very good at decorating, but that wasn't it. Like I had other friends whose parents were like that too. It was yeah. more of like, there was something intangible about the house that made yeah. me feel like it was a second home um, yeah. that I know had a lot to do with the spiritual, the spiritual realm. And so there is something to be said that, that this isn't just a, you know, the, this whole this whole episode isn't just about the external, like the home is not just the external. Um, And so, no, that's really good. good. Yeah. Okay. So what, as women read this book or men, um, as people read this book or um, they visit your website and they start praying through this, like what is your prayer for our listeners as they kind of try to set this all out? Um, my prayer always is, is that they will have, they will, their home will become a place of peace and calm and somewhere that they can go, they themselves and their family can feel, um, at rest and safe to sort of work through things with each other and in themselves and that they will feel, they will gain the practical tools and the, you know, the, the faith and the spiritual aspect of it to feel comfortable welcome, welcoming people in. Cause a lot of times people are afraid to do the hospitality thing. Cause they're not good at it. Same as not decorating or so. Yeah. So my, my prayer is always that they would gain um, the practical tools and the, the faith to feel calm and peaceful and have that 
as the overall overarching feeling of their home for themselves and whoever they invite in. Yeah, that's really good. I do think to go back to external, I do think if you're struggling to define your style, do you think that your clothing style could inform your home style and you could find clues there? Like things that you're drawn to? Yep. I think um, somewhat with colors, although I wear more colors than (laughs) I put in my house personally. Um, But I think whether you are sort of, if you like dressier clothes, you probably Mm -hmm. like a more formal sort of decorating style. Mm -hmm. Um, I prefer very casual, comfortable clothes. So that, yeah, that speaks truly of my decorating style too. Cool. I I definitely, it does for you. Like when <laughs> your house to me, when I walk into your house, your house to me is you. And like, like, uh-huh. like I can, I could, and the same thing with what you wear and your accessories. Like uh-huh. I can see all of your accessories in your house. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like I, your style very much good, your clothing and, and, and the, the way you, you accessorize definitely is the same way you accessorize your house. I think it's very similar in your taste. Do most people do that though? That's what I'm asking. I think some people do and some people don't, but you definitely do. Oh. It's good if somebody's trying to figure out what their style is yeah. for, for home decorating to think about what it is they like, period. Like what are you drawn to? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, like in clothing, I'm drawn to jewel tones, but I'm also drawn to that in my decorating. Right. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. so I do think there is some of that for sure. Yeah. Yep. You also have other people living in your house versus well, that's dressing what I, was other gonna, I mean, I can dress myself in more <laughs> colors that I like, but my husband also cares about colors. Some husbands don't, but my husband does right. care about colors. So there has to, we have to come to compromise. So some things I, some colors that I've chosen in my house are because I'm comp- compromised with him, not because yeah. I. <laughs> Good thing to talk to you about though, because yes. this is an issue, right? It like, is. Because you just said like, my house feels like me, but now I'm like, well, does it feel like Chris? Does it feel like Maddie and Penny? Like I'm thinking like it, and I've tried to, I realized this like, um, you know, cause we've, we'd redid our bedroom during COVID and, um, our living room as, as people are doing, right. Like, yeah. well, I yeah. <laughs> and I remember like, I was just kind of going through and I'm like, I want to do this and this. And he has opinions, which is very inconvenient, but like, <laughs> I was like, you know, like <laughs> I'm doing what I want to do. And I'm not even right. really thinking about, so we've, we've met in the middle, but that, that can yes. be a tricky thing. Like once you do figure out what you like, and then you're like, well, now I have to figure out what you want too. And yes. it's not what I want. Like, how do you work through that in a way that everyone feels comfortable? Like, do you have any? Um, I think you learn who is, who ha- actually has a strong opinion and who's just saying it just because Yeah. <laughs> as far as what they do and don't like. Um, and then, yeah, you make compromises based on um, uh, several things, based on how much the person cares about it, based on how much time they spend in the space. So mm-hmm. if it's like a kid's bedroom, much to my chagrin, I've always let my kids pick their own bedroom colors and stuff, which, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's their space, it's their room and yeah. whatever. And so, yeah, you, you compromise on things. Um, as far as actual style goes, and if they like a different style than you, um, I don't, I think I talk about it a little bit in the book, but then in one of my online classes, there's like specifics for how to pair different, like combine oh, different sweet. styles. Do you have an online way. course about that? Yeah. So oh, well, um, that would be really helpful. Yeah. yeah. There's, I've got a couple of workbooks and then a full class on how to do all the things for decorating. So yeah, it's, it's compromise, but my husband is very traditional. Like he's very, um, like if you picture an English country club, with, okay. like, 
Like that's what he wants. And I'm more like, I call it Palm Beach Gothic. Like I like, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it makes sense, it? Okay. Um, so what I figured out when we were going through all of these, I have a point to this, is that we like a lot of the same colors. Yeah. like dark greens. He likes like peachy walls, more traditional, like those things. I like that too. I just don't want all, all the other elements. So we found a way where it was like, well, our colors are kind of similar. Mm-hmm, right. It's just that I like different decor. So it was a, an easy, so there, I feel like there's just always something that's going to make sense if you put yep. two together, like there's some shape, color, something. Yep. So I, we, we've managed to work it out, but it was a little tricky yep. and we had to like yep. really think through like, what is it you want? Like, what is it you like about this style? What is it yep. that makes you come alive? You know? Yep. Yeah. And yeah, and it comes down to asking those questions, right? Yeah, yeah. And, da- and David and I have different styles too. Like I said, I'm more mid-century modern and he's, he's more just like classic. But what we, have, what we have come to the conclusion is that we both like streamline. Mm. So like we can, we know that we both like that. You don't like it fussy. You like yeah, it, we yeah. neither one yeah. of us want fussy. Um, it's just, I'm a little bit more modern than he is. Um, and so, we, you know, some compromises have to be made there because my house would probably be a little bit more funky if I lived by myself. And I had to, <laughs> to tone down the funk for him. And so um, even right now, I just got a text that I don't think he likes the light fixtures we picked for the new foyer. <laughs> I definitely went a little bit more funky than he probably right. would. <laughs> And so um, we may be replacing this, but um, you know, it's just, you know, it, it is, it is hard, but you, you're right. You can find some, you know, there's always common ground. Yeah, there's always compromise. It's the same as anything else in being married, like, and sharing your living space with someone, right. It's, there's always compromise in all the things. Um, I have a question that we did not ask you if we were going to ask it, but I, <laughs> okay. uh, what, how can somebody, if someone's in like a temporary space, whether it's yep. like an apartment or roommate situation, how, what are some ways they can, bring their personality in without investing paint colors. Like, all, you know what I mean? Like all the big things we're talking about, like, do you have any tips for somebody to personalize a space? Um, yeah. If they're, you know, you know, a temporary space, you can do, um, if you're going to be there for a little while, you can do things like curtains and, and, and area rugs um, mm-hmm. that you can take with you after you leave. Yeah. Uh, pillows, art, like the furniture. Yeah. Even, um, but yeah, if it's, if you know, it's going to be changing. Yeah, the sort of the more textiles and art is probably the easiest way to do that because you can take them with you and probably use yeah, them for, in another space. Yeah, yeah. Furniture yeah. is a little bit harder just because it is a little bit works with your space. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay, well, anything else that you want to share um, where people can find you? We'll also link to it in the show notes. But if you just want to share how people can find you and what you're up to, that would be awesome. Yeah, just homemadelovely.com is the best place to find everything because that links out to the book. It links out to social media and, and our email and all the things. So homemadelovely.com is the best place. Awesome, wonderful. And we're asking every guest, yeah. I want to know, what would your last meal on earth be if you could choose? <laughs> um. I am actually, I can't really eat dairy without getting sick. And so my last meal on earth would be like the best lasagna and Caesar salad ever would be like the last all the cheese and all the dairy. All the cheese and all the things. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. We both have that ailment. We have that ailment too. Oh, okay. There you go. And I finish it with ice cream, which I can't. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Right. Macaroni and cheese, cheese dip, ice cream, milkshake, all the things that make me sick. All the things. (laughs) For sure. Maybe you'll ask me all. Great. (laughs) It's a very depressing way to end this. Oh, it is very sad. 
<laughs> that's okay. There's lots of other food. <laughs> there is. That's true. Yes. Well, thank you, Shannon. This is really great. And um, we will link to everything in the show notes. Yep. And um, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Bye. 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 Okay, guys, welcome back. Um, that was just it was so fun to talk about houses and, you know. I know, it's fun. I love talking about that stuff. It's so much fun. I talk about spiritual stuff too, don't get me wrong, but not that your house isn't spiritual. I think we we established that it is a part of us. But um, it's fun to also talk about um, about just, you know, making your house around you and your, your home. Because I think a home is... A, I mean, her book is Home Made Lovely because I I feel like house and home are two different things. Like a house yeah. can be a very cold thing. It's just like a structure, but a home is like, the home is where the heart is. No, just, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it's more of like, it's more than just the structure when you talk about home. So um, for sure. Yeah, I can talk stuff. about that stuff all day. Yeah. So, okay. So now we've been talking about what we're going to add in. We're talking about making our homes like adding in things that give us life. Yes. So we were kind of thinking like, I want to give a food prompt. And the thing that came to mind was like a charcuterie board. Um, not only because they're having a, a major moment because they are, yeah. <laughs> but I was just thinking, you know, like what's fun about a charcuterie board to me. And I don't know, maybe everyone just likes the cheese and the meat, but like, I always like the little like extra things, you know, like the nuts and like the jellies and honey and just all that stuff, I think really is what elevates it and makes it like not a lunchable. And, um, I really enjoy, but I feel like too, I I was talking with Chris about it because like we had some friends over, um, last weekend and I made one, I hadn't made one, you know, in like a really long time. And, um, it just, it feels like one of those simple things that's like celebratory and really fun. And so Mm -hmm. I think, um, there's a few things we can do, even if you're like still at a place where like, you're not vaccinated and you're not comfortable hanging out with people, you can make one for your family, um, which would be really fun. Or if you're in a place where you're hanging out with people inside and stuff, you could definitely, um, make one for your friends. And I think it's just really so, okay, here's what I like to do. Here's like my little charcuterie board uh, formula. I do three cheeses. I usually do two cow's milk. And then, well, that's not true. I always do sharp cheddar because everybody likes sharp cheddar. If there's somebody who's like not really into cheese, like they'll eat it. You know, you don't want to have it all be like weird cheese that people aren't sure about. So I always do sharp cheddar. Yeah. Um, and then I, I usually do like a soft cheese, like brie or goat cheese. And then I like to do like a fun cheese. Like, so we, we love Spanish food. So we'll usually do like manchego and like either brie or goat cheese. I do too. Um, so we'll do stuff like that. And then I just like to get, I'm not actually a cured meat person. I know it's like weird. Like most people are, but like, I don't love cured meat. So I just get like a variety. I get like a spicy one. Um, and I usually get like a prosciutto or something and I'll get like a spicy salami or something. And then like a, a not spicy and mm-hmm. super simple. I usually will get them at like the deli and have them cut everything like as thin as humanly possible. Cause I think it's just better that way. Um, but then I love to add just like little jellies and jams. I mean, even if you're just like at Publix or something, they have a ton of like fig jams. Yes. Um, you can get the membrio, which is what's traditionally served with, um, Manchego cheese in Spain. It's like a quince paste. Um, you can get that on Amazon. So if you just like get on Amazon and like search like 
pickles or another fun thing to do. Um, since we're in strawberry, well, all, all year strawberry season because of our food supply, but like, you know, we're getting to where the it's really strawberry season right now. Yeah. (laughs) But you can quick pickle so many things for your board. So like, do like, it's really fun to pickle grapes. They're delicious. And you can just like make a quick, um, you know, do like equal parts vinegar and water with like a little sugar and salt, bring it to a boil, put your grapes in a jar, like, and then like have them, put them in a jar and then pour the pickling liquid over it and leave it in your fridge. And it's like, you can make fun pickles. Like people go crazy for fun pickles, right? Or you can do um, pickle strawberries or like a blackberry. I wouldn't do like a blueberry or raspberry because they're too delicate, but like anything that has like some structure to it, you can pickle pretty much. Um, And if it messes up, it's like, whatever, like just don't do it again. (laughs) Don't put it on your board. But um, I I don't know. I just, I think there's a lot of fun to be had and there's a lot of fun to be had, like thinking outside of the box and like even just getting like fun jellies and jams that are different and putting them next to things and tasting it and seeing how it is getting fun crackers. Like I just think a charcuterie board can be a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, I think you can, it's all about the details. Well, and we talked about in our interview with, um, with Shannon about, um, just hospitality and part of hospitality is that like, like the queens coming over and we're going to have like high tea and stuff. I mean, it may, you may do that sometimes. But like, it's more about like what a, presenting what you know about the other person as a way yeah. of making them feel comfortable. Like she talked about how she, the, the friends that she has over most frequently, she has a mug with their initial on it. And I just love that. Like that's really stuck with me. And like, so I think about that mm. with charcuterie boards, like charcuterie boards could be anything. It's anything on a board. Like, yeah. so if you know about your friends that are coming over like it's it might look different for one friend than it looks for another friend but I will say if anybody has me over for a charcuterie board <laughs> I my combo is definitely sour with the cheese and the crackers so I definitely my favorite snack yeah. in the world is is pickles cheese and crackers like that's my favorite snack in the world so yeah. or like mustardy I mean the sweet stuff's good too like I understand the honey and all that stuff blah 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 but I man something about vinegary and cheese like it's pretty golden for me so I agree always put some mustard for sure yep for sure and good mustard you know not just plain yellow mustard but like (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think that can be British what's the British mustard that comes in a little bit of yellow container yes I love Coleman so much is that weird no you also like just go to trader joe's and go through their condiment section they have so yeah. much random stuff like you can find all it's so good yeah anyway so that's my uh, idea make a board yeah or make one for yourself why not um, now i want it for for lunch so um <laughs> uh i'm like i'm just gonna eat cheese and crackers for lunch um <laughs> i'm gonna make my own lunchable um and um okay so any other like resources right now that is kind of helping you more move towards spring or adding things back into your life or thinking about t- for, towards Easter. We're like a little over halfway through Lent. We only got a few more weeks till Easter. So, you know, what do you, I added a vaccine to my life. I'm very excited. I got an appointment. So by the time this episode comes out, I think I will have had my vaccine, my first round. Um, so I'm really happy about that. But yeah, I think, um, I'm getting my wardrobe together. I just did a major like um, closet clean out situation where I, it wasn't, I cleaned out everything that I didn't 
like to wear, which was a surprising amount of stuff. And like, by which I mean, if it didn't feel comfortable or if it was like, I can only wear this with that one like top and it like, you know, those kind of things, there was like kind of a pain. I just got rid of all of it. Um, and so now I'm sort of like taking inventory and saying like, okay, what do I need for summer? So I'm kind of like, and you know, we talked about my shopping thing. So, um, by the end of Lent, I will be kind of like adding in not aspirational clothes. Cause I think a lot of the clothes I buy are like cute and I have nowhere to wear them and they're not, you know, and then they just sit there and make me sad. So I'm going to like, try to really focus on like, what do I actually wear? And what do I like to wear? And where can I get like a good version of that? So I'm going to be like kind of thinking through my wardrobe, I think for spring yeah. Yeah. to prepare myself. Very good. Very good. I'm trying to think for me. So, you know, for Lent, I gave up cable news and I've done surprisingly well. You have. Which, you really which have. Means, which means that I really needed to do it. <laughs> give up some kind of food because you like have an intolerance to it or something and then your body like just like thanks you profusely like yeah that's the way and it actually isn't as hard as you thought it was going to be because you feel so good that's kind yeah of, like, yeah but like the way I felt with giving up Facebook it's the same way with like giving up cable news I'm like I'm like I have like it has made me feel so um but I, I just am such a more positive person <laughs> and I'm really I'm, yeah, but I you mean, by so? nature, I'm by nature, I'm a positive person. But the past couple of years haven't really shown that because I've gotten really entrenched in politics and COVID and all of that kind of stuff, which a lot of people have. I, I'm not just saying that's not just me, but like I, it has, um, it has been very freeing, and I think I will not. I mean, it's not like I'll never watch CNN again or never go to CNN.com or Fox.com or whatever. But like, I'm not, that's not going to be my main news source anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am much more determined to, to like, oh, the other thing is, is it, so, you know, I'm only reading like the New York Times daily reader in the morning just to hit like the highlights. And then like, if, if I'm really interested in a think piece, I'll click on it into long form and read long form. And I forgot how much I love long form articles. Like I read a really great long form article in the Atlantic the other day. And it was just so thoughtful. It wasn't, it was, it wasn't as much of an opinion, like talking head kind of piece like you get, like that riles you all up when you watch like CNN or something, but no shade to CNN. I love CNN, but you know what I mean? But like, the purpose of of those kind of news outlets is to get you like riled up because that's what what keeps you watching. Right. And both sides of the aisle do it. And it's not just one or the other, it's both sides of the aisle. Um, And so, but like a real truth think piece that gets you to really think outside of what you normally think about. Like, I feel like that's important. And I feel like reading long form, like really good um, journalism is important. But what I've found myself doing is that since I'm only like bring, like reading like the highlights once a day and then reading news articles I really want to read, I don't know about things as fast as I used to, which has been very humbling for me. <laughs> I'll hear it from somebody else and I'd be like, oh, that happened yesterday. And I didn't know when normally I would have known about it like five minutes after it happened. And yeah. um, it's reminded me that it's okay and also I'm going to survive um, yeah. not knowing everything all the time. And I'll eventually hear about it. Um, and, and I'll probably read a really good think piece about it if it's really important. So, um, so anyways, that, but 
I, I think I'm just going to, like, I think I said this in the last episode and I still agree with it. I haven't changed my mind. Um, <laughs> is that I'm just, I just want to read more long form. Like, yeah, I want to go back to reading like news articles and like think pieces in really good magazines. And, and I've, I've always been a reader with books, but like, I have devoured so much more good literature in the past few weeks because I'm bored and I'm not scrolling CNN.com. So I'm picking up books instead. And, um, and so I'm like plowing through really good literature and it just makes me happy because that kind of stuff is just good for my soul. And so, so it sounds like you want to get back to writing as like an art form. Yes. Yes. Like definitely. Yeah. I definitely want, I want to, reading and and you know reading good stuff makes you a better writer and I like mm-hmm. to write so um so I yeah I you know reading reading unfortunately and somebody can like shoot me an email reading twitter doesn't make you a good writer <laughs> reading sound bites doesn't make you a good writer reading long form stuff makes you a good writer um I mean I guess reading twitter makes you good at writing tweets but um anyways no shade to twitter either but um, <laughs> but I just want to I want to get back to the the art of long form I guess. Um, so and the only other thing that I actually it's getting here today is um, and this is just what I'm hoping to read between now and the resurrect not the actual resurrection between now and the celebration of the resurrection at Easter. Um, not saying Jesus is coming back we're going to be resurrected the next three weeks. Um, is um, Tim Keller just came out with a new book. Um, called I'm going to get the um, name of the book right it's about Easter but um, you know he's currently going through what's pancreatic cancer which is probably I mean I think he's the 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 treatments have stalled it to give him a longer life but it's probably going to be what kills him so he's been wrestling with death um, obviously Mm -hmm. and um, and then with COVID as well. So he wrote this book on the resurrection in the midst of going through pancreatic cancer and in the midst of, you know, leading a church in New York City through COVID. It's called Hope in Times of Fear. Um, and what's the subtitle? Hope in Times of Fear, um, the resurrection and the meaning of Easter. Um, and I've heard him on several podcasts and read like uh, read like excerpts from the book already. I'm going to read it in long form. Um, when it gets mm-hmm. here um, today, but um, but it's a lot about like we have a head knowledge. Like Christianity's linchpin is Easter. Like mm-hmm. that's what defines Christianity is the fact that our Messiah rose from the dead, and because of that, we will one day be risen. But like we we as a culture spend most of our life avoiding death, like mm-hmm. because we don't really really internalize the resurrection. Like, um, mm-hmm. our, our, we are so afraid of dying, uh, so afraid of dying, or we're just oblivious. Like, until somebody ar- around us that's close to us dies, or we, we have a near death type of experience, or go through cancer, or whatever, like, we don't like to think about our in- own immortality. Um, and so he just, a lot of these podcasts, he was talking about how um, COVID and this bout with pancreatic cancer has like shown him how much he's ignored immortality, even as a pastor who like preaches mm-hmm. on on heaven and all of that kind of stuff. And so I'm curious to read the book because I think a lot of it is about how the resurrection changes each area of your life. Like if you truly, truly lean into the resurrection, like mm-hmm. how you, how it'll affect you here on earth. So I'm excited about reading it between now and I want to read that too. So, 
Yeah. No, I'm so sad about him. Yeah. I know. It makes I me know. so sad. So, but I just, I love a couple of places. Um, I've heard him speak um, on podcasts uh, about it as, and about him and his wife, Kathy's relationship as they've go, gone through this and how at first it kind of immobilized him, like the fear. But then out of that, as he's leaned into it and learned um, about hope in the midst of it, his present day life, every experience he has in his present day life is more joyful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah. I'm just, I'm here, uh, you just to hear him speak about their marriage and their experiences they've had um, as, as he's kind of broken out of the shell of fear um, from it has been really good. And I think it'll just be um, encouraging. So. I'm excited to read it. So I can't really recommend it as a resource because I haven't read it yet. But what I have learned about it so far, I'm going to I'm sure it's on the basis be of that. Great. I mean, it's Tim Keller. So, you know, I know. It'll be awesome. He's the best. He is the best. So, um, well, happy Easter. Happy Easter. Yeah. When we, when our next episode comes out in April, we'll be posting, I mean, we'll be in the season of Easter, but it won't, yeah. we won't, we will be post resurrection Sunday. So, um, here's to, Three more weeks of Lent and then celebration. So pretty yes. excited about that. So <laughs> it, was, it was interesting. I was thinking about it. Um, my word for last year, 2020, year of our Lord. Um, <laughs> two months, <laughs> the, the two months before, when it, such an optimistic time, um, you know, January and February. And my word for the year was celebrate, which is so hugely ir- ironic that that was my word for 2020. Um, yeah. But I think it was also, it's also, in a way, um, God's humor of showing me that there's other ways to celebrate than the way we thought. You know, yeah. when I went into 2020, I was like, this is the year of travel. This is the year we're going to celebrate this, you know, blah, 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 blah. And we're, I'm going to celebrate and I'm going to get better at celebrating. And like, what does celebration look like now? And so, um, yeah. anyways, that's not my word for 2021, but... Uh, <laughs> can't even remember. Oh, release. That was my word for 2021. It obviously is a very important word to me because it's stuck <laughs> right here in the brain. <laughs> oh, man. I think else? if anything, well, I just think this past year taught us the importance of celebrating and that yeah. we can get really creative with it. <laughs> so, but I no, I, was, I don't have... I was thinking about our 100th, and, 100th episode and how it we we had planned one thing and then we had to have a, a virtual celebration and I can't wait until we can, you know, celebrate 150 or something like that for real. I know. So, so. We were so excited to meet everybody and I know. have a party. Such a bummer. Such a bummer. Such a bummer. One well, day soon, Brad. One, one day, day soon. soon. All right. Well, Talk you guys have soon a- and very soon. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well. Okay, everybody have a good rest of your March and, and be excited about spring. I love spring so much. So, yes. Outside the pollen, I love spring so much. I know, spring's the best. I really think so. Enjoy, yeah. guys. We'll see you soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye. So till next week, we are on Instagram at Woven and Him. We are on Facebook and Patreon forward slash Woven and Him. You can also email us fullywoven at gmail.com. And I'm Rebecca Pete, like the coffee brand. And you can find me at RebeccaPete.com where you can also find all my social handles. Yep. And uh, I don't want to be found. So just find me on the Facebook for our uh, podcast and the Instagram, but not my personal. Bye. Bye. (laughs)